God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this message, God is Spirit. My text is found in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. Now this is the woman at the well speaking to the Lord. And she says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, this was after the Lord had said to her, Go home and call your husband. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. Now, this woman had never met the Lord before this. And he tells her about her history. And she concludes from this, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And then she begins to speak her, I'm going to call this religious mumbo jumbo. She says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She talked about places. She uh, tried to change the emphasis into the proper places of worship. My denomination teaches this. Your denomination teaches that. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. You see, God gave the Jewish nation his oracles, his word. He didn't give this to the Gentile nations. But then he says, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now the Lord tells this ignorant woman, and I can identify with this woman. I'm not saying that harshly toward her. She represents all of us by nature, but she's a very ignorant woman. And the Lord says to this ignorant woman, God is spirit. You talk about the place where men ought to worship. You think it's in this mountain of the Samaritans. The Jews think it's in Jerusalem. God is spirit. He cannot 
be confined to a place because he is spirit. He does not have a body. He is not made out of matter or material. He is spirit, and that's how he is omnipresent. There is nowhere where he is not in all of his fullness. He's not bound by space or time the way you and I are. God is spirit. He knows all. He's the cause of all. He's infinite. I love the way the writer to the Hebrews said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now notice he didn't say he must believe in his existence. It says he must believe that he is. And he reveals his isness in his word. And his isness is God is spirit. He said, I am that I am. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the Lord is speaking to this woman, this Samaritan woman, and she says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. That's because of what he told her about her life. He couldn't have known this unless he could see things that a natural man couldn't see. And she doesn't know he's the son of God at this time. She doesn't know he's the Christ. But she perceives that he is a prophet because of the things he knows about her. She'd never met him before. She'd never heard of him before that very day. And he tells her of her past life. I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now the Samaritans believe that this mountain in Samaria is where God is supposed to be worshipped. And the Jews believe Jerusalem is the place. Now she was wrong in her perception of where God was to be worshipped. It was in Jerusalem. You see, the temple was in Jerusalem. This is where the Day of Atonement was observed. This is where the tabernacle was. This is where the Holy of Holies was. This is where the high priest was. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a man named Jeroboam who tried to change that. He uh, was the king of Israel, and Rehoboam was the king of Judah, where Jerusalem was. And he was afraid that when the people saw Rehoboam in Jerusalem, when they came to worship, they would not want him to be king anymore, and they'd kill him. So he changed the place of worship. He said, it's too much for you to go all the way to Jerusalem. And he established two other places that were closer uh, where you could go worship and uh, where it would be more convenient. Sometimes I think this is uh, the, the beginning of contemporary worship, making it easier. And this is said to be 27 different times the sin of Jeroboam. It was the measuring stick of other sins. No, Jerusalem was the place to worship. But she still had no understanding of what that meant. She said, we think we should, our denomination believes worship is here. Your denomination believes worship should be over there in Jerusalem. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me. You know, I pray the Lord says that to me and you. You know, if he tells you to believe, you know what you'll do? You'll believe. If he tells me to believe, you know what I'll do? I'll believe. 
This is speaking of the command of his irresistible grace. Now, when he says to a person, believe me, you know what they do? They believe. And we're going to see that this woman ended up believing. He said, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. The hour is coming when place doesn't even enter into the equation. Then he says, you worship, you know not what. You have a form of religion and it's all based on ignorance. You do not know the living God. And then he says, for we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, what did he mean by that? Does that mean that only Jews will be saved? Well, in a qualified sense, let me answer yes. Only Jews will be saved. Christ is the king of the Jews. Now, when I say only Jews shall be saved, I'm not talking about national Jews. I'm not talking about men and women who were born in the nation of Israel. Paul straightened this up in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, when he made this statement. Listen to these words carefully by the Apostle Paul. He said, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward." In the flesh. Now that was the mark of a Jew, a male Jew. He was circumcised. And Paul says that's not circumcision. And that person who claims to be born in Israel, that's not a Jew. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. God praises the true Jew because the true Jew is the work of God. A Jew is someone that God has given a new heart to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this sense, every believer is a true Jew. Not one who is one outwardly, but one who is one inwardly. God has done something for them. He's circumcised their heart. They now believe on Christ. Salvation is of the Jews. Now, he's not talking about uh, simply the national uh, Jews. He's talking about the spiritual Jews. Do you remember when the Lord said to the Syrophoenician woman, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I didn't come to save everybody. I only came to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's talking about God's elect. That's talking about every true Jew. Now, he says, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers. Now, I want to get in on that. I want to be a true worshiper. He says, the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit And in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in 
truth. Now, true worshipers. I want, I want to be in on that because there's so much false worship. Most. Now, listen to me. And I'm not saying this uh, in a, just a critical, judgmental manner. I'm saying this because I want to tell you the truth. Most of what goes on under the name of Christianity is false worship. It's phony. It's not real. It's not according to the scripture. And I say that without apology. Most of what goes on under the name of Christianity is not true worship. It's false worship. Now, God seeks true worshipers. Those who worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. Now, this is an attribute of God. He's spirit. He's not confined to a body. He's not made of matter. He is spirit. That doesn't mean he's air or gas. It means he's not matter at all. He is spirit. That means he's omnipresent. Now, he's a person. He's a person with a personality, with a will. God is a person. God is spirit. God the Father is spirit, invisible, immortal, eternal. The Bible gives us his character. We could not know his character without this book called the Bible. This book is the inspired word of God, and it's given to teach us his character. We can't just figure it out. Somebody wakes up one morning and thinks, well, I think God is one God of three distinct persons. Of course, that's never happened. The only way someone can know that is from God revealing it in his word. He reveals his character in his word. He's holy. You know what that means? He's other. That means he's not like me and you. He is holy. He's sovereign. His will is always done. He's all powerful. He's immutable. He cannot change. He's independent. He has no needs outside of himself. He's absolutely just, justice and judgment of the habitation of thy throne. He's love. I love the scripture. God is love. Not here's love and God fits that. No, God is love. You know, the second commandment of the Ten Commandments is the commandment against idolatry, making a false image of God. Any likeness we make of God is wrong because God's not like anything. He says there's none like me. And any idea or image we make and portray on him is only bringing him down to man's level and making a false God. God is spirit. Now the hour cometh, the Lord says, and now is when the true worshipers. Oh, I want to be in on that. I want you to be on that. I don't want to be a false worshiper. I don't want to worship a false God from my false heart. I want to be a true worshiper, somebody who truly worships God. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Oh, they'll worship God the Father through the Son. There's no worship if I'm not worshiping God the Father through God the Son by God the Holy Spirit. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to worship by the Spirit? Does it mean in a spiritual manner? 
Does it mean your worship doesn't have all the traffic trappings and smoke and mirror of religion, all the, the incense and the, the robes and the choirs and the music and the big temples? No, you're, you're more simple. No, it doesn't mean that. The simpler, the better, but that's not what it means. Does it uh, mean you have spiritual worship where you the hotbed of charismatic emotionalism and, and miracles and tongues and, and everybody's excited and you feel some kind of... That's not worship in the spirit. That's worship in the flesh. All that stuff is with the smoke and mirrors of high religion and the emotionalism of charismatic Pentecostal religion. All that is is flesh. Fleshly worship. There's no spiritual worship involved. What does it mean to worship in the spirit? Do you remember when God said to Adam, in the day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, 17. Now Adam, ate, we know, ate the fruit. That's the fall of our first parents. Now on that day, he didn't die physically. He didn't uh, die in the sense of uh, it's over for him. He was still alive. His soul didn't die. His soul kept right on going. His body, his soul, but his spirit died. The natural man has no spiritual life. In order to worship God, you have to have spiritual life. The natural man is dead in trespasses and sins. And when somebody is born from above, they're given spiritual life. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. It can never rise above that. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And in order to worship God, I'm going to have to be given a spiritual nature. I'm going to have to be born of God, birthed by the spirit of God. It's only the spiritual man that can worship God. They that worship him must worship him in spirit. Romans 8, 7 says the carnal mind, that's the mind we're born with, is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I'm going to have to be born of the spirit. You know, I want you, I invite you to come to the Todd Road Grace Church. I want you to hear the gospel preached. I hope you're already a believer, but I don't come and say to a mixed audience, come worship with us because you can't worship unless you have a spiritual nature. I'll say, come hear the gospel. I want you to come and, and hear the word of God, but um, worship can only be done with a spiritual nature. They that worship him must worship him in spirit, and in truth. Now, what does it look like when God someone, when someone worships God in spirit? What does that mean? Let me give you a scripture that tells us exactly what it means. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says, we are the circumcision. We are the true Jews. We are the true Israelites. We are the circumcision, and he gives three marks, which rejoice in Christ Jesus. No, worship God. Number one, we worship God in the Spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus, 
and we have no confidence in the flesh. Now we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Only by the spirit of God with the spiritual nature that he has given in the new birth. You see, it's only the spiritual nature that sees the beauty of God and that believes the gospel. It's only the spiritual nature that sees the sinfulness of the old nature. You have to be born again to understand the things of the spirit of God. We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Now, what does worship in God in the spirit look like? He said, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now, here's spiritual worship. You look, you glory in only the Lord Jesus Christ. You look nowhere else but him for everything in your salvation. Paul put it this way in Galatians 6, 14. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was the chief apostle. Paul was used by God to write scripture. Paul was brought into the third heavens and was taught the gospel directly by the Lord Jesus Christ, one-on-one. Paul was used in such a mighty way. But what does he say about all that? I don't glory in any of that. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only hope that I have, Paul says, is that Christ lived for me and died for me. That he gave me his righteousness and paid for my sins on Calvary's tree. That's the only hope I have. I'm not glorying in my preaching. I'm not glorying in the fact that I've read the scripture. I'm, or I've written the scripture. I'm not glorying in any of this. All I glory in is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing else to glory in. Nothing else to have confidence in. Now somebody that worships God in the spirit, they rejoice. They glory in Christ Jesus. All I want is to be found in Christ. So that when God sees me, all he sees is Jesus Christ. What happens when someone glories and rejoices in Christ? Paul gives the third mark, no confidence in the flesh. Now if my fingerprints are on it, I have no confidence in it. All I have confidence in is Christ and I have no confidence in anything else. Now that is worshiping God in the spirit. It's rejoicing only in Christ Jesus and having no confidence in the flesh at all. Listen, I don't have any confidence in my experience. I don't have any confidence in my understanding, in my ability, in my ability to fight sin, in, my, in the strength of my faith, in my scripture reading. In my, all I have confidence in is Christ. Nothing else. I have no confidence in anything that has my fingerprints on it. It's bad if my fingerprints are on it. I look to Christ only. Now, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's no worship of God apart from the truth of his word. The Lord said, in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He said in John 14, 6, I am the truth. And he said in John 18, 37, I came to bear witness to the truth. And when the Lord died on the cross, 
Oh, he bore witness to the truth, the truth of God's character. God's holy. Sin must be punished. God's gracious. <clears throat> he gave his son. God's merciful. <coughs> God is all-powerful to put away sin. Every attribute of God is revealed in the cross. The truth concerning my character. I'm so sinful. Well, what are you doing? I killed the Son of God. That's how sinful I am. That's how sinful you are. Somebody says, I didn't do that. Yeah, you did. When Adam did it, you did it. Uh, God judges everybody and what Adam did. We were all in him. And it's not like we're uh, charged for something we didn't do. Uh, we do. When he did it, we did it. That's how bad we are. Don't look at the things you've done. Look at what you did to God's Son. That's what we thought of him. And I see the truth of how God saves sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's no salvation apart from the truth. Hearing the truth. Believing the truth. Rejoicing in the truth of how God saves sinners by Christ. Now, let me give you one illustration. This, was, this is found in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Peter is at the table with the Gentiles, eating, uh, fellowshipping, having a good time. And then some people from Antioch who were Jewish believers come. I, I mean, they were from Jerusalem and they came into Antioch. They were Jewish believers and they come and Peter gets nervous. He knows that they won't approve of him eating with the Gentiles. So he, without a word said, he gets up and walks across the room and sits down at the table with the Jews. And that way he's pleasing these Jews that come. He's not going to be offending them. And Paul gets up just by Peter getting up, not saying anything and moving tables. Paul gets up and publicly rebukes him. That the truth of the gospel might remain with them. Now what Peter was saying was, yes, you can be saved as a Gentile, but you're more pleasing to God if you do these Jewish practices. And the implication of that is Christ is not all in salvation. Yes, Christ is necessary for salvation, but he's not all in salvation. You're more pleasing to God if you fill in the blank. And that is a complete denial of the gospel. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he'll tell us all things. Now what the woman is saying by that is, I don't know what you're talking about, but I, I know when Messiah comes, he'll tell us. And then the Lord gives this woman something he'd never given anybody else like this. He said unto her, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Do you know when you'll worship in spirit and in truth? When you know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, God's prophet, God's priest, and God's king, and you trust him as such, knowing that he only is your salvation. I that speak unto thee the Lord said to this poor woman, am he. May God say that to each one of us. We have this message on DVD and CD. If you get on our website or call the church, we'll send you a copy. This is Todd Nyberg praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. Amen. Mm -hmm.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 